Michael, last week of the month, we are roughly a week away from uh, the next rate hike by the by the Fed, allegedly. So where does where does this put us as far as fixing the inflation issue, fixing you know the I mean, the dollar is through the roof right now. We're at we're at levels we haven't seen in years. So where where do we go from here? What does the, what does them raising the rates by half a point or three quarters of a point do for us? At this point, not much. Uh, okay. I mean, we're still going to be seeing the bottlenecks. That's not changing from a rate increase. You're seeing China lock down, which is going to increase bottlenecks. Rates are going to do nothing for. Um, so and then plus it's really still too late. The inflation has already came and went. So whether or not it turns and stays in stagflation, whether or not we see a deflationary spiral, whatever takes place going forward, it's the fact that inflation's already here means mm-hmm. that no matter what happens next, it's probably not going to end well. And we saw we saw a little. I don't want to say it was necessarily a preview of what could happen, but we started this week out on an extremely defensive tone when it came to like, well, I mean, most markets crude was down $6 at one point uh, on Monday. You had uh, silver gold down. You had all the grains down big. You had, I mean, cattle and hogs were down. The equities, uh, what did we do in the equities yesterday? We we were down. Yeah, we were down heftily, and then it yeah. came back uh, really well at the end. Yeah. Well, that's what they did a while back, too. We would see them flush out throughout the day, and it looked terrible. And then as you go into the last hour, I don't know if it's lower volume or what, but they would come storming back, um, you know, bargain buyers, whatever you want to call it. But then you also had, you know, the, the dollar being at 102 uh, right now. Um, it's putting pressure on the euro. It's putting pressure on the yen and and other uh, world currencies. So there's just there's a lot of potential out there. But what we've seen, you know, in specifically to our markets is there is a little bit of resilience there. We saw a strong move in the in the uh, corn yesterday. I mean, strong compared to the fact that the the wheat was basically unchanged slightly higher you had the beans that were down 12 but still finished well off their lows and then we saw a nice strong move to start today and then just kind of petered out in the first 30 minutes and and just we did nothing for the rest of the day it feels like even though you know everybody wants to see it go up go down whatever sideways is the action and it's range trading it's just you're getting you're getting a lot of range per day now. Yeah, it's it's something that feels worrisome because, like you said, with yesterday, everything fell apart at the beginning and then came back to close. And then you saw the same thing out of the uh, equity side of things. And then again today, you saw the equities falling back. And mm-hmm. as they fell back, you saw all the grains retreat alongside of it, staggered out, went a little bit sideways midday. And the grains were able to recover a little bit, but weren't really able to hold much of that recovery after that midpoint of the day. So it's a little bit worrisome with how much focus we have on managed money and how much they can really move this market. 
you have this very questionable look at the equity side of things and it very well may spill over into our side and and the commodity side of things just from a portfolio balanced standpoint and on top of it you have next week which you're gonna have limits increasing and it's not like you've seen corner beans using the limits so the fact that we're increasing limits for something that has rarely used its current limits is very concerning right well and and i mean what kind of risks do we run Right now, you've got the, the, the funds. You mentioned the funds. They have this massive position in corn. They're 88% roughly of their record position. Beans are in the 70s as far as their record position, I believe. Um, you've, But it was pointed out uh, by uh, one of the Reuters uh, uh, reporters that grains and oil seeds currently hold their longest combined position ever mm-hmm. you start to build up those positions and there's i mean either you're just going to blow the top right off of this thing or there's a massive liquidation coming yeah uh, and it's it all might be in the same week well that would suck it would <laughs> but we've seen it before we, and we have it's something that it makes it very nervous here, and, I mean, you talk to just about anyone, they, they feel it as well. There's a lot of uncertainty. We're at very elevated levels. Mm-hmm. You have funds extremely long the market, and you just don't have a lot of new willing people to enter. And then you see the Dow that's down 2,000 points in the matter of, what, four sessions. Mm-hmm. and. It really makes it worrisome that money's getting more expensive, and if we see money get more expensive and we see these crops fall out of bed and I haven't made any sales, uh, definitely is cause for concern. And then on top of that, you you still have questions regarding how much Ukraine plants, I mean, at this point, and I don't – we talked about this last week, and I, I will continue to go back to it. I don't believe it. But how much do we plant here in the U.S.? Because at 7% uh, planted for corn, uh, what, 3 maybe 4% planted for beans, we're behind the eight ball right now. This is 2019 all over again, even though it's not. It's only April 26th. But that's the way we're going right now is that that panic will set in. What's that mean for the 4 million extra acres of beans or the 4 million less acres of corn? Do we see some additional acres of beans come in if the later we have to we have to wait to plant this thing? That's a good question. If we're going back to 2019, there was, according to the USDA, no hit to yield because of it. There's no big ch- – I mean, there was – we planted supposedly we had like a hundred and one that was million acres the, for corn, but yeah. there was like ten thousand of prevent mm-hmm. or ten million of prevent. Ten million, yeah. Um so I don't know. And in that year it, I think it took to the third week of May before we actually started to get a footing to start putting premium onto the market because of it. So we still have a couple weeks of feeling this thing out and seeing if we can, and really a lot of areas need this nice warm week in order to even still get frost on the ground. Um, but 
the next couple of weeks should really give us an idea yeah. about that because right now it's a little bit too early when you're seeing that that pause action in the market because everyone knows we're not quite there. It's still alarming. Mm-hmm. We're behind pace right now for corn, but we can easily pick that up. Yeah. Well, and and you know we've we saw it last year. We how many times on this very show did we talk about the market? topping or some sort of the way that the the positioning of the commercials was or you know any number of things that we were trying to look for a top and it literally about two weeks from this time last year is when we topped that market and it was and we have a friend that says you know bear markets don't make new contract highs to a certain point he's right but to another point there's one time when every, it will make a every new time. A, a, <laughs> every time a bull market ends, <laughs> I mean it's it, it, and then it gets ugly. And and you know, not, last year was not complete fall out of bed. It took months to to come together, but once it topped, it topped, and it was done. And the problem with a, a lot of times when you get so bulled up, and I am bullish, don't get me wrong, but you get so bulled up is that you can't see the forest for the trees. That thing could drop off, and we've seen it a bunch of times in these markets where we're down 40, 50 cents, or 60 or 80 cents in a span of like two, three, four days, only to put it right back on. And it's like, wait a minute, I thought we were done. That was it. And all of a sudden we go and make new highs. We've done that plenty of times. It's 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 a wild, a wild situation. It's just like... Trying to explain every tick in these markets is is impossible. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a completely like you said. Explain all the ticks here. It's going to be completely impossible to yeah. do. And you'll see things like an oats day. Someone clearly tried to roll out their position and went to the market to it. And <laughs> you saw the oat market drop twenty four cents in the matter of one minute. Yeah. Uh, that person probably figured out that. It's a thin market. You can't go to the market even with just con- 10 contracts. You never go to the market in a thin market like that, <laughs> and <laughs> especially one that's going into first notice fairly soon. Yeah. You got 100 and I think at the beginning of the day in that May contract, there's like 195 contracts of open interest. Just 195. And this person went to the market with 10 contracts, which if you're looking at corn, yeah, 10 contracts, yeah, okay. I yeah, can see it, but you're looking yeah, at nothing. you're looking at oats, and you're looking at oats going into delivery, and it's it's an it's a bad one. But for the most part, why fundamentally did that happen? Well, fr- fundamentally, that that didn't make s- sense to drop twenty cents mm-hmm. in a matter of a minute. But a lot of it's just and what the market is is money flow. Yeah, I that happened because someone took the side of the position. Yeah, I mean, was there anything fundamentally different in the uh, in the bean meal today that that caused it to sell off versus the bean oil? You know, I mean, yeah. were we unwinding the spread? Were we winding the, the crush spread? It, you know, what, was there some sort of story? Because normally if it's in a, in a market like that that's relatively liquid, you can find a story that's going to go with it. But, yeah, that's, that's – I don't know. There's, there's plenty of, of situations in these markets where – to try and explain some of the volatility 
or some of the back and forth action is just it's it's tough to do. But let's uh, let's kind of uh, switch gears a little bit. I l- want to pick your brain a little bit. So, Mike, you are a uh, a young uh, a young man uh, per the industry. Um, the industry is getting older, just much like our producer uh, customers. Uh, it is a an old man's game. Hopefully, uh, that is not going to be the case for forever because then we're out of business. But you have uh, you've been doing this for what uh, four five years now? Uh, between those two, uh, you've been a broker for five years, something like yeah, four years, four and some four ish. Let's say four and some change. What? How out of out of college did you decide this was what you wanted to do? Was it you had a focus on commodities? Was it that you wanted to be in some sort of trading atmosphere? Where did where did this come from? I always had a little bit of fascination with the markets and just how, markets in general, just or just markets in general, okay. not even markets in general, just valuation why something is valued at this certain level, why people are willing to put their lives really behind it at, at times. I mean, you see hedge funds, things blowing up, and it's because they took the wrong side or whatever. Mm-hmm. But really, not only how things are valued, but how the just grand picture of everything works. And it was it's always been my go-to of, taking things that are interesting to me and completely breaking them apart till I get to every little part that makes up the whole thing and seeing how it works. So did you did you go to school uh, and get a, a degree in economics or, or what was your were you in, in business I, administration? Where were you? I had to take economics, but that was not my focus. I was small business management and entrepreneurship. So a lot of what my focus was in college was studying market environments, Mm -hmm. where to capitalize on building a business, how to capitalize on building a business, and all the intricacies that go into it. So that section really translated well over to studying the business environment of corn or beans or whatever. But that's a lot where that came from. But that was fully... Definitely interesting when you, you know, when you started here, I've been here for, you know, nearly 14 years. And and when you started here, you were this young kid. We've never really ever had a lot of success with the work ethic out of some of the kids out of college. It's just, it's a different market. It's a different environment. And you came in and you, you hit the ground running. I mean, you were having meetings with with Steve and talking about different ways that we could improve our business, whether it was from a training standpoint or just a philosophy standpoint. And very interesting, you know, to, to kind of see that uh, see that happen. And not only that, but you you pretty well became the authority or one of the authorities in the office of of how to use some of the uh, the trading programs that we have and and you know charting and all that stuff and you've taken that even a step further here recently and you've gone into uh trying to get industry uh, certifications so what is what's this certification that you're working on right now it's the cmt yes. it's not country music television not not this music. time no yes okay uh charter market technician and 
it used to have the designation, I think it was uh, TA, technical analyst, but they switched it sometime in the mid-2000s. And what it is is basically just an industry standard for stocks and commodities about how to read charts, what different um, studies signal, why they signal it, different tests and things along the lines of how they've gone about coming to this conclusion. But really, it is just a group that has taken technical analysis. And besides, like, every person that could just look at a chart and say, hey, these are where my magic lines are coming in today and what we need to be watching, it gives you more of a background on it, why you're using these different things, how it's constructed, what the math is between, say, RSI or moving average, exponential, and all these different things in order to really get a good grasp and a good understanding, but also a accepted understanding of what they mean besides just taking my own take and doing your own thing with something that, like, a bunch of people will take Elliott Wave and they'll mm-hmm. make their own little adjustments to it. But Well, we see that all the time with some of the people that we follow, whether it's on Twitter or, you know, uh, other analysts that – they throw out everything that happens in the overnight that doesn't exist mm-hmm. you know that but that's so that is something that you can go into as as you're forming your own opinions based off of this would you it science mm-hmm. i mean it's math it's it's grounded in in principles but you can kind of formulate it to your own liking I mean, because I know when you had Ken Shaleen on, he's got different stuff that was valid, you know, 20, 40, 50 years ago, but may not necessarily be the same case today, right? Yeah, and that's going to be falling more so on different, say, candlestick formations and things along those lines. So there's been a lot more empirical evidence about needing well, confirmation confirmation but also when we see an objective what do we typically reach of that objective i mean give everyone this is what you should be looking at but if you're looking at trading it typically we only get to this part of the objective so look to be taking profits at this part as opposed to the full move um so ken Schleen did i mean phenomenal job when he was on the show and really has a fantastic way of looking at the markets and really helped form the ideas behind CMT, taught a lot of the people that are leading members of it and Mm -hmm. did all of that. But it's taking basically and staying on the shoulder of giants what people like Kenshling did, which was write books, teach classes, and have some form of this is how you should look at a market based on these different inputs Mm -hmm. and took it a step further and built a whole community around it. So that way there's an industry standard of this is why you're looking at something. And this is, if you don't agree or you have some different understanding of it with evidence, come to the group and present your case and let's all study it. And now with, with all of the, you know, the certification that you're, you're working towards, you are on, Part three, part now? two, part two, two now. Three. Yeah. So once you get all uh, all parts of it, which is three sections, correct? Mm-hmm. Where does that take you? Where do you where do you go from there with it? Three sections need to be passed, and then you need sponsors in order to be granted the de- designation of CMT. 
following your designation of CMT, you have to have continued education. So you have to show that you are continuing to build your knowledge of the market and continue to basically. Do you have to start writing papers or books or publish? Start writing papers, but you do have to make sure that you're continuing your education, and that's which anyone that is going in and taking all these tests and learning all this stuff should be given that, hey, we want you to continue to grow and not just sit here stagnant on what oh, you learned got, back yeah, in yeah. 2015 when you passed it or 2020 when you passed or whenever, right. that you're continuing to learn alongside and continue to contribute really to the betterment of the study. Interesting. And so for you personally, do you see yourself – continuing the pursuit of brokerage for the next 10 years, 15 years, 20 years? Or do you see yourself sliding into some sort of a different type of uh, a different type of role where you are the authority, you are the the analyst that uh, is, you know, speaking at conferences that is you know i mean whether or not it's it's additional information within our within our own research or your own research where where does this go for you i think it's something that i can probably do both where i continue to be a broker and i also am able to go out and talk and help educate others because with what you said originally about our industry being an old man's game. Yeah, on the older side of things. And it, a lot of what we do is still rooted in what we've done in the past. There's a lot of room for improvement. And I really feel that there's a lot that we can do in order to not only better ourselves as brokers, but help our clients do things more effectively mm-hmm. and efficiently. Because, I mean, as you know, if you're going to be one thing, might as well be efficient. Right. Efficiency is key. <laughs> Always, everything goes back to Letterkenny, folks. I mean, we talked about it last week. That is a Letterkenny thing. Uh, so, um, I mean, that's it's. I can tell you that since you've you started here, and this isn't you know trying to suck up to the boss or anything like that, but since you've started here and you've really shown this passion for charting and all that stuff. It's definitely improved a lot of what we've seen internally here at Allendale as far as being able to identify uh, trends better, identify potential for movement uh, better, and being, you know, I mean, we still, you know, we lose every once in a while. That's just, that's how the game plays. You never know sometimes what's going to happen externally that's going to affect uh, a market but for the for the most part it's definitely brought a little more of a competitive edge uh, to to many of the brokers here at Allendale and it's it's it is very it's good because it helps our business it also helps our customers business a ton to be able to have those ideas of well this is the this is where we should be going to this is what the charts tell us you know and this is where I would start to do something about it, you know, or, or this is what I would do to get us to that point. So very good and good information, good, good knowledge. It's always, uh, it's always good to, to get to that point of improving yourself, not just being happy with, you know, okay, I'm I'm making a paycheck. Mm -hmm. Now it's what's next. Where's the growth come in? 
and I think that's you know that's in any industry, but definitely a, a big deal here. So very good. Um, so as we as we round things out here today, we have uh, partaken in a a uh, a sip of we'll call it uh, a specific type of rye, um, and it is uh, uh, ends in pig, uh, and. I got to tell you, I, I like this stuff, but I wouldn't want mu- very much of it. It's it's a lot. I don't know if you've ever had um, Booker's. That's another one. You have too much of it, and it will sit you down real quick. It'll it'll ruin your afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> so we are not sponsored by anybody, so we aren't going to give the full name by anything. But uh, um, it's got a nice uh, nice butterscotch flavor to it. Um, it is a fifty uh, percent alcohol, uh, so it is a little more of a, a spicy side of things. So, um, but yeah, that's uh, that's where we're at. So as we uh, as we close things out, Mike, let's talk a little bit about what we've got coming up in the in the markets uh, in in the economic uh, mix. Uh, this week is first notice. We have so if you are in May grain positions, corn, beans, wheat, you name it, oats, uh, as Mike uh, mentioned earlier. Uh, you need to be out of your long positions by the end of the day on Thursday, the end of the session on Thursday, to avoid delivery risk. If you are short that market, you can stay in until, I think it's May 13th at noon. But something be like careful, because as it goes deeper... It will get thin. Oh, yeah. It gets really thin. <laughs> you see the open interest in that one particular May contract uh, just shrink and shrink and shrink. So, And then uh, what else do we have? So uh, FOMC meeting next week. Limits increase next week. Oh, limits increase next week. So uh, let's go down them if you remember. We've got corn, 50 cents. Yep. Uh, 75 cents on an expanded limit day. Mm-hmm. You've got beans at a dollar ten. I think it's a dollar fifteen. A dollar fifteen. You've got wheat backing down to 70 cents, I believe, mm-hmm. from 85, which they had bumped that from 60 to 85 uh, when uh, when the uh, the war started, uh, just after the war started, when things got nuts. Um, so there are some uh, some ideas there that we've got the uh, WASDI report uh, coming up the week after next. Um, anything else that I'm missing that is Planting vitally important? Every week, every yeah, day, but that's pretty general. Yeah, and and that's you know that is something that we have to watch that because as of right now, twenty eight percent good to excellent on winter wheat. Most of the concern there is is in the uh, in the Kansas crop. Um, Oklahoma would probably fit into that. Uh, you may have some concerns about uh, eastern corn belt uh, wheat, but uh, at this point, it would just be from being too gosh darn wet. Um, other than that, you've got. Um, we've got an, uh, a snapshot product that will be coming out uh, Monday afternoons. We've got our monthly snapshot that will be re- uh, re- coming out uh, right before the next WASD report. So a lot of stuff uh, that uh, we've got. Am I missing anything? But today for Market Talk, this is Mike and signing off. You guys have a great one.